Welcome to the Wimbledon special episode of How to Build a Village. I'm Jill Martin-Wren. We're based in London, so it's a treat to focus on the tennis championships in SW19 that are just getting underway. I spoke to tennis journalist and author Simon Cambers, a friend to this podcast, about his new book, The Roger Federer Effect, Rivals, Friends, Fans, and How the Maestro Changed Their Lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation well, I am so excited to welcome Simon Cambers to the podcast, a friend to How to Build a Village, because of course you've been on before. But this time we are going to talk about your exciting new book, The Roger Federer Effect. Congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, I have so many questions. It's so well-researched. You've spoken to so many people about Roger Federer, and you have so many great anecdotes and so many great pictures. Mm-hmm. How hard was it to find people who, high-profile people, who were willing to talk to you? Well, the beauty of it being Roger Federer and how popular he was, and he still is, is that once people heard about it, they were mostly pretty happy to talk. And once they got started, then they loved it. You, know, you couldn't stop people from, you know, the conversations would be going on for ages. You'd be thinking, well, I'm going to transcribe this later. And come on, let's uh, let's cut it short. But people love to talk about him. I think, you know, it, it was a clear indication to us early on of how much of an impact he had on people in all walks of life. And that was the whole premise of the book. It wasn't just a, it wasn't meant to be a simple biography of Federer. Um, because that's been done before, including by my co-author, Simon Graf. So we wanted to try and find a different way to do it. So that's why we did it through the eyes of all the people that he's impacted. And of course, there are plenty of people we couldn't get, we asked for and hoped for and didn't get. Andre Agassi gave a very polite no early on. Um, Andy Roddick, I couldn't get hold of him. Uh, Anna Wintour was almost a yes. In fact, she said yes at Wimbledon last year. Um, and then just the sort of, you know, how busy everybody is at Wimbledon, we couldn't get it done. And we ran out of time because we had to rush it through as it happened um, at the end when he announced his retirement. But, um, you know, for the most part, people were really happy to talk about it. So were you already working on it before the retirement announcement? Yeah, we started, I think the first interview I did was in March 2021. So... Yeah, um, that I think the first person I spoke to was Sergei Stakovsky, the Ukrainian mm. player, um, who is now unbelievably fighting in Ukraine oh, wow. uh, for his country, uh, which is just incredible. Um, and uh, I went to him first because I thought I, I knew, I, I, you know, with Federer, you don't want it to be a, a complete sort of lovey, loved up book where everyone loves him and everyone says the same thing. I wanted some different stuff. Um, and Stakowski is someone who's always spoken his mind. He's uh, often annoyed people by what he says. And he also beat Federer at Wimbledon in 2013 when Federer was defending champion. And so uh, I went to him and he was the first interview we did. And he was actually really good. He loves Federer. So this was the funny part of it. I thought I thought there'd be more of the other side of it, but he was a, a big fan, really. Well, I loved all of the chapter titles, kind of with the different aspects of of Federer, the kind of different roles Ooh. he's he's played throughout his career. And probably my favorite was Roger the student and yeah. the line, no sportsman or woman gets to the top on their own. And you've really proved that Ooh. with your interviews with all the coaches and all the people who helped him through the years. 
Yeah, I mean that's 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 always true. There's no one just comes out of nowhere and you know picks up a racket and is a world beater on their own. They've got you know family in the first place to make massive sacrifices for them. We you know we covered that with uh, Roger's family and all the people around him. I mean, I would say with 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 Federer, he doesn't authorize any books about himself, so we couldn't go to directly to the people very very close to him. So. He did ask to speak to his mum and dad because the other Simon knows them better than I do. And they were very positive and helpful, but they just said, no, we can't. And the same went for Federer's uh, coach, Ivan Lubicic, and some of his inner team. But we went to the people who he'd been with before and were happy to talk. Um, and Federer knew all about it as well. So you know, he, he's not uh, he's not someone who doesn't know what's going on when it's, when it's about himself. Uh, so he, he sort of got wind of the book happening was fine with it eventually and uh yeah it's it's just uh it's interesting to me to see all the people who you know he he's had so many people around him over the years he's had some constants being his family his wife Mirko and his mum and dad especially um and then some of his coaches who he's been with for 20 years and stuff but he always was clever at picking an extra coach to help him when he thought he needed something else and there were a lot of people who who was sort of involved in his development along the way, like Sven Brunefeld or Darren Cahill or Peter Carter, the Australian coach who mm. tragically died when he was young, uh, when Federer was young and had such a massive impact on him. So it was really interesting to speak to a lot of those people. That's great because I, I hadn't um, heard about that before, that tragic accident, how it affected Yeah, him. It's, it's something that, um, you know, in, in inside tennis circles, people will, will have heard about probably or know about, but maybe forgot. And he, Peter Carter was an Australian player who was basically Darren Cahill's best friend. Mm-hmm. Cahill was the coach of, uh, became later became the coach of Andre Agassi, of Leighton Hewitt, of um, Simona Hallett later, and now of Yannick Sinner, the Italian player. Um, but as a player, he was a very good player. And he and uh, Peter Carter were players in Australia, really good friends. And when they sort of moved into coaching, he was working with this young kid, Leighton Hewitt, who was 15, and Carter was working in Switzerland. He'd just gone over there to get a job. Uh, and he got a job working with the Swiss Federation and became Federer's sort of confidant and, and coach. And those two were on the sidelines chatting away while Hewitt and Federer were behaving really badly on the court. And they sort of got to know all about these two young superstars who would become superstars of the, of the future. Well, and it was speaking of superstars, it was great to see, hear from some rising superstars like Coco Goff, um, yeah. one of my personal favorites, and how she benefited from his advice. And that was such a lovely line that it's impossible to win every week on tour. Now, was she quite open to talking to you? Yeah, she was. Um, we had um, yeah, we had a really nice chat. It was at Wimbledon last year. Um, I did a piece for the Guardian on her Wimbledon hopes and stuff. But then I said to her, I'm writing a book on Federer. Would you be happy to talk? And she was more than happy. She's part of his management group. So that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was, I, I will say, she's the only person, uh, almost the only, certainly the only player that we spoke to, who at the end of it said, good luck with the book. Hope it goes mm-hmm. well. So she is very, very nice. Really fun to talk to. Really interesting, really smart. Um, hope she goes even further in the sport. But she she was good, you know, that tip that Federer gave her, she said was what helped her get to the final of the French Open last year. So yeah, very simple tip that in when you read it, but something that players often forget. 
and just that aspect as well of a, in trying to enjoy the game even when it's going yeah badly. yeah and you look at carlos alcaraz who's someone we didn't speak to he's you know now world number one um he loved Federer as a, as a kid as a younger kid and you see the smile on his face when he's playing it's deliberate you know it's to it's to get rid of pressure it's to release the pressure that everybody feels and he he is loving playing tennis and it's a joy that it should be a joy to be out there too often it's it's an incredible burden for some players and you know the expectation gets heaped on them and you know the media attention is hard for them to deal with but that's something that Federer learned to deal with very young and and became a master and some of the others uh, you know could t- definitely take a lesson from him on that well, do you think now, I mean, obviously you're at this turning point in tennis when you've got these legends stepping back and retiring. So, you know, you get asked this a, a lot, but what, who, who's going to rise up and who will you be writing a book about in the coming years, do you think? Yeah, it's hard to know. It's, it's definitely a transition time. I mean, it's very like when Agassi and, well, when Sampras quit, Pete Sampras quit in 2002. Uh, he played his last match in 2002. Agassi was still around for a couple of years, but there was a big sort of, you know, an opening void at the top of the men's game. There were people like Marat Safin, there were Carlos Moya, there was Yevgeny Kofelnikov, all around the top spots, but no one was dominating and and no one took the chance to do it. Leighton Hewitt was there as well. He was number one at the time, but no one was totally dominant. Um, And it's a bit like that now, although Alcaraz shows signs of being someone who could take the sport to a, a new level if he keeps going the way he, he has started. I mean, he's only 20, he's already won a Grand Slam, been in uh, semis of other ones. He's He's got everything he needs. Um, but you can never tell, that's the thing, you know, to, to, to ask or to believe that someone's going to go win 20 Grand Slams or plus is ridiculous. You know, one, it's amazing. Um, to string a few together is incredible, but to, to get up to the, the ranks of Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, etc., is you know, incredibly unlikely. So there's definitely a void that needs to be filled, but it might take a couple of years. That's what normally happens before they sort of work their way out or work out the hierarchy at the top of the game. And and also Djokovic is still there, still winning Grand Slams and mm-hmm. still setting records. So while he's only 36, 37, you know, he's still, he's still relatively young, at least in his mind. <laughs> well, part of what I loved about the book as well were the pictures, because it was just so interesting to see Federer just looking so young and also looking yeah. you had some crowd shots as well where he's sort of standing in a line of children and you wouldn't if someone had said pick out you know the future mega champion you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that what was it hard to get those archival pictures no and the, the beauty of the, the really great thing about the book is is that um most of the well, most of the pictures by far the majority of the pictures maybe like 19 of the 22 pictures in there are from people we spoke to so they're their own photos that they gave to us for the book, um, which was really generous. So, yeah, the picture's a picture of Roger as a ball boy um, mm. meeting Wayne Ferreira, the South African player, now the coach of Francis Tierfan, um, when he was young, mm. you know, sort of showing how he started. And Yeah, it was really nice. The picture of the hilarious picture of Roger with the long hair being lifted by the wrestler. You know, it's <laughs> it's nice to see some of that stuff or the, or the the one of Sven Grunefeld, who was coach at Swiss, uh, Swiss Federation, and Federer just pulling the back of his shirt to make him look a bit fatter. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that was good. You know, they're nice. They're nice to see that side of people. 
And so, so what do you think Federer will do now? I mean, obviously he's been playing a role in the run up to Wimbledon. You saw, I saw yeah. that the, the the hitting with with the, the royal hit up, which we, yeah. we know that Kate is a big fan of his, right? So obviously he'll be a part of the proceedings. But 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 what do you think would be next for him? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether he does show up this year's uh, Wimbledon Championships because he, when we had a sort of chat with Wimbledon. Um, a few months ago, they said they were planning for something, a celebration for him. Um, but I don't know if it would, it's definitely going to happen, but it wouldn't be surprising. It seems like he's not going to do commentary or pop in and do commentary, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he pops in and has a chat to Claire Balding or you know somebody comes in and says hello. Um, I think it's, it's funny. I think he it's probably too soon yet for him to to feel like he can arrive as an ex-player. He pro- maybe he feels a still connected to the sport and you know it's still a bit raw his his departure because you know you've got to remember that he left he quit because his body wouldn't let him play anymore. his knee is, is still clearly not right um so you know maybe he feels that's still a bit raw that feeling um i have no doubt that he'll do loads of work with his foundation the roger federer foundation which is very important to him um, which looks after underprivileged children in Africa. And I'm sure that once his knee is okay, he will go and play some exhibitions around the world and travel because he still loves traveling um, and he probably misses it. But um, yeah, and no, I think, you know, he'll be around. It, he he said to us at the Labour Cup when he retired that, you know, he'll be happy to talk to us. But when you say to someone, oh, let, let's say there's Carlos Alcaraz, how many Grand Slams will he, will he win? And Federer says, well, 10 at least. You know, that's an unnecessary burden for that person to carry. Um, mm. So he doesn't want to do that to any young players um, at this stage. So there might be a little bit of time before he really sort of re-engages with the tennis world properly. Now, are there any players that you're especially excited about this year? I mean, Alcaraz is the one, is mm. the one to watch. Djokovic is the obvious favorite. He's won it seven times. If he wins again, he equals Federer, which is amazing. amazing. Mm. I don't think people would even appreciate that that's the, the case. Um, but Alcaraz is the, is the one that sort of makes you... There are very few players that, that when they hit the ball, the crowd gasp you know, sometimes, mm. and he, he makes that happen. So I'm really looking forward to him playing. On the men's side, he obviously won Queens, so he's in mm. form. If he's fit, he's going to be a big threat. Um, on the women's side, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Petra Kvitova because uh, she's won it twice, 2011, 2014. There were a few Wimbledons in between where she had a big opportunity to win it, but for whatever reason, you know, she wasn't feeling it, she wasn't feeling great, um, or you know, she lost when she shouldn't have done. There was a bit of pressure. Um, she didn't add to it, but she is still well capable of winning Wimbledon. She's a fantastic grass court player. She won last week in Berlin. Um, she pulled out of Eastbourne um, this week because to make sure that she's fully rested, which is really good. So I would, I'm hoping that she has a big run. But there'll be there are a lot of good storylines on the on the women's side too. Well, I'm looking forward to reading your coverage and perhaps seeing you seeing you out there. Yeah, looking forward to it too. Should be a lot of fun. And where can listeners find your book? They can find their book, the book online at uh, on Amazon, um, either in the UK or America or Australia or around the world, or in Waterstones if you're in the UK in the bookshops. You can either order it online or get it in the shops. And I think on 
couple of other websites you can find it. But if you, if you Google it, the Roger Federer effect, you'll find it. Well, thank you very much for stopping by and telling us about it. I would recommend it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.